Hey everyone, this is Leland Baptist. You're listening to the Commercial Finance Podcast, sponsored by Lee Chandler. Today we're going to talk about something that is, you know what, I think it's probably the most overlooked um, strategy that's taken place in today's market. And that strategy is that of uh, mergers and acquisitions. So we're talking a little bit about M&A. Mergers and acquisitions, uh, for those of you all who don't know, of course, it stands for, for, um, you know, basically acquiring a business um, or merging uh, two corporations together. Now, in the news, you will see uh, this scenario play out very, very often. But something that I, that um, I believe most local business owners are not aware of is that mergers and acquisitions are, are actually the best way uh, to really scale and grow your business, um, especially if the business that you are acquiring um, has a huge benefit, okay? So, here's the thing. What do you need in place uh, to, one, buy another business, but then also understand uh, the importance of the other business, okay? What do you need in place uh, to do that? So, at Lee Chandler, we work as a acquisition team on behalf of our clients, so that means uh, we facilitate the deal. Uh, we look at the alternatives as far as obtaining uh, debt, mezzanine, um, equity, uh, and then all other types of funding and, and, and asset classes. When need be, we will uh, solicitate other investors, uh, as in raising funds or equity funds or other groups. And then also look at the valuation of management. So as a business owner or as an individual looking to acquire a business, one of the things that you want to be aware of is how well is the current business uh, managed? How is it operated? Is it an entity that has to uh, be led by one individual? Um, or is it an entity that is automated? So one of the things that that people uh, may not notice, but it's a huge, huge trend, um, is when it comes to that of manufacturing companies. Manufacturing companies, especially uh, in the Midwest, manufacturing and warehouse companies, especially in the Midwest, um, are quietly being the assets that people are are going after. Uh, The reason being is that as... The wide landscape of things um, expand. Uh, you have different benefits su- such as minority groups who, have, who, who will have access to, um, to various contracts. But in addition to that, because everything is, is now becoming more global, there's more of a need to compete and also churn or, or produce more and more of these widgets that are needed to be um, exported globally, okay? So the Midwest um, is great to give access uh, to those trades of resources, um, as well as the East Coast. The reason that the East Coast, you're seeing a lot of, uh, the reason you're seeing a lot of East Coast manufacturers uh, move or diversify 
um, is really because essentially what's happening is the cost of living is so expensive um, and to have the proper workforce needed to turn a profit uh, is becoming slimmer and slimmer, okay? But if someone, someone were, were to come to the Midwest uh, of, the, of the United States where the cost of living is substantially uh, less, and, and then on top of that, you're still able to have access to those ports and also uh, the uh, internal highways to travel domestically. And of course, you can always, you know, depending on where you are in the Midwest, you can be anywhere, anywhere from 30 minutes to, you know, four or five hours from, uh, from Canada and also, you know, hours away from Mexico as well. Um, so, now, you want to know one, of course, you know, how is it, how is that, that company operated? How is it being managed? Is it, is it, is it able to be automated or not? Is there a value, a value add that, that maybe your management style can bring um, to that existing company? If that company is already being operated properly, is there a benefit or an, or an agreement or some, somehow uh, you're able to engage the existing workforce to uh to stay um oftentimes you'll see this with uh with higher up executives in a smaller business um or managers where because of the the good morale for the company you you oftentimes want to keep them in place or sometimes uh depending on how hands-on you want to be in the operations you may you know make that uh that senior vice president um the managing head of of all operations so it solely depends on how well the company is already operating. The other thing that you always have to look at are uh, income statements. And what you want to have is you want to have a trailing income statement normally of, uh, of two to five years. So that would be an average of three. And in addition to the income statement, you also want to take a peek at the tax uh, the tax statement. So, of course, depending on what kind of business they file their taxes, of course. But depending on what type of business, uh, S corp, C corp, and so forth, they'll have different different taxations. Okay. However, um, there should be some similarity, if not a very strong similarity, between what is on the financial statement and then also what is on the corporate tax return. And so, um, for example, whenever our team will analyze this or give an analysis we're always looking for um, a trend we're always looking for a trend um, are there certain things that seem to be written off in year 2015 um, that all of a sudden are not written off in year 2018 or 20 or, or so forth um, we always you always you always want to look look for um, you know is everything consistent with the company and does it seem to be growing uh, the last thing and these, it's just an overview. This is, a, this is not everything that you need in entirety. Uh, this is not everything that you need in entirety. It's, it's a lot of stuff that you do need. But something else to look at is how well does this particular company fare or compare to others um, in the same or similar industry of, of business, okay? So if, if we're going back to the example of a manufacturing company, how well does this manufacturing company, as far as performing with income and so forth, how well, how well 
does it fare with a neighboring manufacturing company that could be uh, in, a, in uh, you know, the, the next door state? You can do that. Or it could be um, in the same state, but let's say 100 miles away. There are, what you want to do is you're trying to compare apples to apples and oranges to oranges. Now, granted, you per se would not necessarily be able to, you know, knock on the front door of, uh, of their nearest competitor and say, hey, do you mind if I, if I look at your books or do you mind if I speak with your, speak with your, with your bookkeeper to, uh, to really figure out, um, you know, how, how was your income the last three years so I, so I can compare it to your competitor who, um, whom I'm going to purchase? No, not necessarily. But um, our group, we actually have a system that allows us to look up um, filed returns uh, nationally. So, for example, if we're looking at, if we're if going back to the example of a manufacturing company, if we're looking at a manufacturer, and let's say they're located um, in Louisville, Kentucky, we have the ability, our firm has the ability to, based on what they put on their tax return as far as size, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera we can basically look in our database for other companies in the same similar similar industry uh, and similar size, and we can actually pull up their their uh, their tax transcripts, and then that way we can actually get a better understanding in comparing apples to apples. So, for example, um, every industry has what's called a multiplier. All right, a multiplier effect, um, and that's essentially how you. That's one way. Um, on how you can evaluate a company is based on the multiplier effect. Um, so, for example, it's a good. This is this is actually a really really good example. We all know about Facebook. Well, Facebook. Um, if you were if someone if you were looking to purchase Facebook as an example, um, or you were trying to trying to decide if you're going to purchase Facebook or let's say Tesla, right? Tesla, the car manufacturer. Um, the multiplier that will give the value for the company is going to be different because they're in two different industries. The multiplier for a technology uh, industry such as Facebook, it may be, uh, you know, 10.5 times annual gross revenue, just as an example. But the multiplier for a manufacturing company such as Tesla, it may only be something like uh, 5.3 times the annual gross revenue okay so the industry is going to dictate the uh the multiplier effect all right now something that's very interesting is a multiplier effect uh it really gives an idea of kind of like it's kind of like um net worth versus uh, liquidity. Okay, that's kind of probably the best way I can put it that way. Net worth versus liquidity. Whereas, as an individual, every individual in the world, especially in in the United States, um, has some form of net worth. Okay, every individual in the United States has some form of net worth, whether you calculate it or not. And your net worth, for most people. Um, it would probably change daily because that, that inc- your net worth would include all assets and all liabilities, right? But there are also things that are intangible 
um, maybe like personality or branding and so forth that may not show up um, on the average individual's balance sheet, okay? Networks and so forth. Well, that's still going to be a part of the worth of the individual. Likewise, same for the business. The business is going to, is going to have connections to various vendors. Uh, the business, which is similar to having a network, uh, the business is going to have um, different things, you know, like a website, different assets, maybe buildings, and so forth. And all this will come to a a numeral or a number uh, for the physical assets. But then for the intangibles, how do you find that out, right? And then for the potential of the business, how do you find out that out? So that's where that multiplier becomes an effect because it, it basically takes in um, all those different uh, variables and it gives kind of like an over uh, overall ratio um, or multiplier of what you could say that 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 company's worth. So just like if you uh, for your business, you may say you know your balance sheet or your income statement may say that you that you grossed uh, 3.8 million dollars last year. Okay, that's you grossed. Maybe you netted uh, only a million. All right. Well. You may say to yourself, hey, my business is only worth a million dollars. But in actuality, when you add all, all, the, all, the, other, all the other things, networks uh, and so forth and other intangibles and tangibles, patents and trademarks and so forth, your business will be uh, worth more. Um, another way, another thing, too, that people are not aware of is the way that you evaluate um, a company like on a, on a short quick quick way to evaluate a company that people are not aware of too is you do take the net operating um, income or the net of the uh, of the business and once you take the net of the business you would then multiply it by seven and whatever that amount is that is actually how much the business is worth okay now just because that just because you are netting um, a couple hundred thousand dollars and you multiply, and you multiply that by seven, uh, that does not necessarily mean that you're, that, that, you know, that because it shows up that your company is now worth over a million dollars, that does not mean that someone's going to pay you a million dollars for the business. Okay. But that, but it does give you an idea of, um, from a net worth perspective of how much the company is worth. Okay. Keep in mind that whenever you're selling something, especially in an asset, your asset could be worth a lot more, um, you know, but it really depends on how much someone's willing to pay for it. Okay. Just, you know, in this very, very simple example, we can take a car and Kelly Blue Book may give you uh, $20,000 for the value of your vehicle. Okay. Now that's twenty. Now it's saying, hey, uh, based on different multipliers, manufacturers, warranties, and so forth, all these different variables and factors, uh, we are agreeing. Kelly Kelly Blue Book is is agreeing uh, that your car is worth twenty thousand dollars. Now, if you go to a dealership and you trade that vehicle in, will they give you twenty thousand dollars? Probably not, right? Uh, it's very rare that that, that they would do that. If you go on Craigslist or uh, any other, you know, formula, formula or application that allows you to sell cars, um, will they give you $20,000? It's possible. Because keep in mind that um, at the end of the day, what matters is what 
a willing participant is is willing or eager to buy your asset for. Okay, so although yes, uh, your vehicle is worth twenty thousand dollars, and yes, uh, you know, for example, for a business, when the analysis uh, came back and when they did when they did the due diligence and so forth, or you have the business appraised and et cetera, et cetera. Yes, that is correct. The business is worth, uh, you know, one point eight million dollars. However, nonetheless, um, what is someone willing to pay for it? And what I've noticed is in all in many of our business transactions for purchasing and selling businesses, um, what it boils down to a lot of times is people are willing to pay that price or um, close to that based on more of the intangibles and not the tangibles. So we're talking about uh, solidified networks, um, chains and vendors, and also uh, solid contracts. People are, are willing to pay more when they see um, those, those intangibles. So for example, if you say, hey, we have, uh, you know, we have a connection with someone at Walt Disney, and they've agreed to bring us on as as a supplier. And someone may say, "Okay, well, yeah, well, that does add value to the business, because although you may not have, you know, although you're, although you may not be a supplier right now in that moment, um, but the beauty of it is that Walt Disney has has if it has excuse me Disney has issued you a contract." And because they have issued you this contract uh, for X amount of dollars, then, you know, certainly, yeah, that, that, that definitely does add value to the company. Um, but if it's one of those things where, you know, hey, I have an executive that works at Walt Disney in my Rolodex, um, it's not going to add too much value. But if you say, hey, I have an executive in my Rolodex from, uh, you know, uh, Dick's Sporting Goods. And they've already given us a written agreement uh, that uh, they will be our our vendor or we will be their their vendor. uh, And it's going to have a a relationship that will bring transactions in the amount of X. Absolutely. It brings more more value. So I hope that makes I hope that makes more sense. The initial point of um, of the broadcast was ultimately to get uh, the understanding that one of the things that is highly overlooked in our economy today is the opportunity uh, for mergers and acquisitions. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening, and I will see you on the next podcast.